Oh, good morning, good morning. It is Sunday morning, and we are here for Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with your host, Dr. Carol Penn. And I am so excited to welcome our audience to this Sunday show. We have two really, really dynamic and special guests, two of my super friends. You're going to meet them in a, in a moment. We have Molly V. Walker and we have Dr. Mia Cowan. And I am so excited to welcome them because today we're going to be talking about cycles of desire. And already we have a guest popping on. Uh, welcome, Victoria. Welcome, Dr. Onika. Welcome, Marianne. You will see we have a lively and engaged audience We'll be if they if they behave the way they usually behave, we'll be answering questions in real time on here. And that's always really exciting for me and, and those dynamics that we can see real time. So as my grandmother would say, the early bird catches the worm. And we definitely have some early birds here. So what is weightless in mind, body, and spirit? So I mean it in two ways. I mean it literally to be weightless to lose the weight, to shed the pounds. I am an obesity medicine specialist, but I also mean it emotionally and spiritually. What are you weighed down by? And what does it feel like when you free yourselves of those weight? But I digress. I'm Dr. Carol Penn, doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine. And I am your master movement meditation and mindset coach, two-time best-selling author. And my book, Baby, Meditation in a Time of Madness, was written for a time such as this, as we are in now. So let me go ahead and introduce. Good morning, Patricia, and welcome. Let me go ahead and good morning, Linda, and welcome. See, we're gathering. We're waking up, ladies. We're waking up. Here we go. We're waking up. I'm going to go ahead and introduce both of my guests in the order in which they'll be speaking. So first we're going to hear from Molly V. Walker, and then we'll hear from Dr. Mia Cowan. But first, Molly. Molly is a certified nurse midwife, master's prepared, and she received her bachelor of science from Vanderbilt University in 19, what, 19, what'd you do, go to school when you were two, Molly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1982, and her MSN in midwifery from the University of Pennsylvania in 1987. She's licensed in the state of New Jersey with prescriptive privileges. She received her certificate as a sexual assault nurse examiner, SANE, S-A-N-E, from Rutgers University in 2002. And so she is board certified in midwifery by the American Midwifery Certification Board. And she has worked in all areas of midwifery and women's health, from hospitals to birth center to home births and at planned parenthood. Wow. Yes, yes. I mean, she's, again, had a broad spectrum career and it's been fantastic. She's worked as a sane forensic nurse for Monmouth and Mercer counties for 11 years. Very, very important role. And, and Molly, we'll let you talk more about those experiences as well as talk to us a little bit uh, about what midwifery is. Not everybody knows you know, all the names and the differences and, and whatnot. So from 2010 to 2017, she co-facilitated Centering Pregnancy Group at the Family Health Center for Jersey Shore University uh, Medical Center. She's been a preceptor for midwiferies and nurse practitioners and SANE students. And she has just been working in the field of women's health being a leader there, making it dynamic. This is how I know Dr. Molly. Uh, Dr. Lee. Yeah, she is Dr. Molly. <laughs> what everybody calls her. Her midwifery experiences are concerned and her leadership. That's how I know her. I know her through her, her leadership in the midwifery community. Uh, we were uh, working at the same hospital. I also worked at Jersey Shore as a childbirth educator and a doula before I went to medical school. And we are also part of the same community of faith. So it's very exciting to welcome Dr. Molly. And now 
to welcome Dr. Mia. You know, you all got to check this out. Good morning, Kieran. Kieran is here. She's on from Pakistan. It's very late at night over there. So this truly is, we have, you know, an, an international audience. So Dr. Mia Cowan is founder and medical director of Me Bella Wellness Center. She's a native of Birmingham, Alabama. Dr. Cowan received both her Bachelor of Science degree in biology and a Master of Arts degree in health education and promotion from the University of Alabama. She completed her doctorate of medicine and residency training in obstetrics and gynecology from the Medical College of Wisconsin. Oh, you went from hot to cold. I had to go find my husband. All right, there you go. There you go. During residency, Dr. Cohen received Cowan received uh, several awards and was appointed chief resident of the OB-GYN residency program from 2005 to 2006. Oh, girl, I was chief resident. Woo! <laughs> well, yes. Can anybody say the schedule? <laughs> Dr. Cowan is a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. She received her training as a bariatric medicine specialist from the Center for Medical Weight Loss and has a Master of Business Administration degree from Auburn University. Can anybody say the bariatricians are in the house? Are in the house? <laughs> yes. Dr. Cowan served on the YMCA Shades Valley Board of Directors from 2010 to 2017. Thank you for your service. That was a long run. And chaired the Strong Kids campaign in 2011 to 2012. She also served on the Safe House Board of Directors from 2013 to 2016. She has been a member of the American Heart Association Birmingham Multicultural Leadership Committee since 2012. She was a member of the executive board for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society from 2014 to 2016. She has proudly served on the American Heart Association board since 2015. Just like my mama, my mama has been involved a lot with the cardiology boards. She's a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, the Birmingham <laughs> chapter of the Lynx Incorporated, the Women's Network, Jack and Jill of America, and the Mineral District Medical Society. She also leads a couple small group with her husband that she found in Wisconsin in the cold weather at her Livingstone's Temple. She is married to Joseph Brown Jr. and has a daughter, Marley, and a son, J Jamil. She enjoys spending time with her family, golfing and traveling. And I met her through the Medical Moguls Academy, where our business coach, Dr. Dre on Burt. So yes, yes, yes. Hashtag <laughs> Medical Moguls in the house. So, and good morning, DM to my beloved. Yes, yes, yes. So he's saying bravo to you leaders, healers, and all. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. And our show today is called Cycles of Desire. We're looking at, we're going to start with the, the mystery for some of the female monthly cycle or the menstrual cycle and correlate that with those cycles of desire when we're in those years. But then we need to fast forward because I hear a lot of perimenopausal, menopausal women feeling as if their libido has just vanished and not knowing really how to drop back into their cycles of desire. And it's, I think human sexuality is so, so, so important, basic, fundamental. We need it throughout our entire life, yeah. our entire life. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome Molly. And Molly, would you please walk us through that part of our life cycle? What is that, what is that about? That seems to be a mystery to a lot of people. Um, the menstrual cycle? Yes. Um, <laughs> so many of my patients don't um, really understand the menstrual cycle. And I'm an expert in birth control. I worked at a, a, a clinic um, um, for the last 16 years um, uh, doing women's health care. Uh, which is anywhere from all the prenatal care and uh, pre-pregnancy help to um, birth control and sexually transmitted disease and um, annoying vaginal infection problems and uh, men painful menses and painful and helping manage those sorts of things. 
Um, I just didn't do surgery. That was the that was the difference between me and the obstetrician gynecologist. Um, I do all the annual exams, mammograms, Pap smears, all that uh, testing. Um, so, but many of my patients didn't understand. They would say, "Well, I get my period, but it's not on the same day every month." or I always get my period on the 15th. So I would explain how uh, most of us have a 28 day cycle or approximately, not really, but uh, you can say that. And then we're on various times. People say, oh, it's irregular because I don't get it on the same day of the month. Then I explain that the calendar was invented by men. It was not invented by women or the calendar we use. And um, if it was invented by women, we would have 13 months of 28 days, um, whereas the calendar that we use is invented by men, so there's these 30-day cycles. So if you do get your period on the 15th or the 10th of every month, then you have a 30, 31-day cycle. Um, and then I count, show them how we count from the first day of the cycle to the first day of the next cycle. Um, and so I'm also explaining this when people are like, how do you come up with my due date? Um, and why are you asking me about my period when I, you know, when obviously I didn't have sex until two weeks later? Or something like that. So, um, so then we, um, so then I go through the calendar, and I'll start with uh, January one, and I'll count down four weeks, and I'll count down four weeks, and I'll count down four weeks. And so, it if you take an average twenty-eight day cycle, your period every fiscal quarter moves up a week. So instead of coming on the fourth week of the month, it in the second fiscal quarter it'll be in the third week of the month. And it will revolve till back, you get your period, back comes thir December 31st, you're back to the first day of your period. I had a 28, six day cycle. So I would count down four weeks and then subtract two days. Then count from there, count down four weeks and then subtract two days. And so that's how I was able to keep hold of mine. Now, a lot of people have um, what I call very loud cycles. They have a lot of emotional and physical changes, so they could really know when what's going on with their cycle. And in the cycle of desire, um, I go back to um, what my dad used to call the days of Og and Mog. Um, back in our primitive selves, our main purpose is to reproduce. So the reason why we have a period is because we're getting ready to Take, get an egg, an infertilized egg, and have it implanted in the uterus. So um, we um, um, we have our period, and then at the some of us are lucky. Hold on a second. The sun has appeared, <laughs> and it's in my eyes. Um, it was supposed to stay cloudy for a little while. Um, so we start with our period and it lasts for, if you're really lucky, three days, and if you're unlucky, seven days. And then when you're done with your period, you'll notice that as the blood um, thins out that you get a clear mucousy discharge. And then that seems to increase and increase. And then uh, about day 14 of your cycle, again, on this 28-day cycle, um, you may have a lot of mucus. And it may, like you may notice that when you're on the toilet, that it may hang down all the way to the toilet water. And then after that, um, you may have some cramping that day, and then you may um, have really not very much mucus for another two weeks until a day or two before your period. And then day before or two before your period, you may all of a sudden have an increase in discharge. You think, oh, my period's coming. You feel that moisture coming down, and you're like, oh, my period's coming in. It'll be really white perhaps the day before your period, and then your period comes back. During that time, you also may notice that um, when your period starts, you may be a little grumpy and crampy and not feeling great. But then after that happens, you may feel, oh, gee, it would be nice to, where is that uh, partner of mine? Where is that mate? You know, and be really interested in sex. And that may build up till that day of your ovulation, a day 14, where you're really interested in sex. So what's going on is you've got that mucus increasing because the idea in life is to reproduce. All living beings reproduce. That is our purpose. That is that's what we're supposed to do. So um, so your body is there making things interesting for you to reproduce. So you keep on building up and building up, and you're like more and more desirous, perhaps, of having sex. And then when you ovulate, you were like could be a crazy day, and you really feel like 
I know anybody will do. I'll just have any, you know, anybody will do. And hopefully you have a regular partner around. And then, um, then after you ovulate, you're like, okay, so you have to go on a business trip this week. Fine. See ya. And, and you're not so desirous anymore. So what's really going on there? So you have, um, you have the buildup of the uterine lining. Um, you have your period, and then your uterine lining starts building up again, ready for to create an egg. Your your egg is maturing, and it um, is then it bursts out at 14 days. Um, the key is actually of, with your period is that you always have your period 14 days after you ovulate. So I had I would ovulate on day 12, and I would get my period really two weeks later. So I knew I was going to get my period because. I felt that cramping with ovulation. So the egg pops out. And so you want to make sure you have enough sperm there. The egg lasts for about 24 hours. The sperm lasts for three to five days. So you want to make sure you have enough sperm there to fertilize the egg. So you may, um, in the primitive sense or the lizard brain, you may have a lot of sex so that you have some sperm waiting there for an egg. And then once the egg, once that happens, you're like, okay, we've done our job. We have the egg, we have the, um, have it going over here. So let's not create any other trauma or risk of infection or anything. So then you're not interested in sex anymore because you've already planted your egg and you're waiting for, um, you're waiting for that to implant into the uterus and perhaps create a pregnancy. So for the next two weeks, you may not be interested in sex at all and you're able to go along. Um, the cycle of uh, um, hormones is that you have your estrogen is high and then it peaks on the day of ovulation along with follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. And those really peak on the day of ovulation. And then those drop off a little bit and progesterone create mm-hmm. ramps up and then is really high for the rest of the um, cycle. Then you, um, then when an egg doesn't implant, and by day 26, your body's like, oh, there's no implantation, then the progesterone drops off. The estrogen has actually been hanging out up there pretty high, but the progesterone's been above it, creating a buffer. And progesterone is a buffering hormone. It's softer and uh, it's a smooth muscle relaxer. It sort of keeps things flow. In case there is a pregnancy, it prevents the uterus from rejecting the uh, fertilized egg. So um, it's up there, you know, buffering. I gotta get my angle right here on the camera. Buffering, and then when it drops off, the estrogen is still there. And estrogen is a hormone of passion. And so you feel really passionate when you're ovulating and you're really ready for a lot of sex. And then, um, but then the two days before your period, you have that progesterone, but maybe that luteinizing and follicular stimulating hormone also sort of, creates a softness in the passion in a different, uh, tastes a little different, but when it, it drops off just before your period, that's a time when you might feel more irritable because it is a, a, a hormone of passion, a little irritable or very weepy. Um, and that's that PMS that some of us get um, um, emotionally. And then, uh, then, but you can also tell that your period's coming on and you may have breast tenderness, the progesterone creates that breast tenderness. Uh, two weeks before your period. So that's kind of how the cycle of desire happens. I love it. I love, And I love being reminded of that. We are so miraculously and wondrously made. So thank you. Thank you for, for me, for, you know, just reminding, you know, we hear so many women complain about their menstrual cycle and they're all into, you know, pain and, and, and discomfort of it versus the celebration of it. There was a wonderful book out a few years ago called The Red Tents. Right. And, and that was, you know, really talked about how the women in these tribal communities, which is wisdom tradition the world over would come together come together during and they would all have their cycles approximately at the same time and there was a famous study tend to be friends about um oxytocin fast forward i believe that study came out in the 1980s um, that talked of you know women in a college dorm or women in the same office and we all begin to cycle together and that's the phenomenon of the pheromones 
And, you know, going back to the day I actually choreographed a piece based on the Red Tent, you know, that's where, you know, again, the midwives of the community would, they'd also catch those babies. So the babies were born approximately at the same time. The, the breastfeeding pairs would initiate. And oftentimes these were nomadic or traveling communities. And this allowed kind of a, a more organized way of being able to, you know, make sure humanity was going on and get the business done and then be able to move the herds instead of this one, that one, and the other one. And this is when we live together in these groups. So I just thank you for that. And it just brought me back to such, uh, you know, women's history. And I know both of you are very, very interested in the, the whole concept of, you know, suppression of sexuality and how it correlates to oppression in life. And I'd like to welcome Rebecca to the show this morning. Thank you for tuning in. She's a first time viewer. So, whew, all right, all right. Dr. Mia, Dr. Mia. So that was a beautiful correlation. And see, this is, woo, I remember those days when, oh my goodness, and that whole cycle and, you know, the mention, oh, baby, come here type of thing. But, you know, what happens with perimenopause and menopause in the maturing woman? So the first hormone that we all forget about that women actually have a bit of when we're young and not on birth control and it starts to decline is testosterone. So I call testosterone the forgotten female hormone because everybody forgets that we have a little bit of it, probably up to 70 to 100 if it's a younger woman who's not on birth control. And then as we start to age and mature, a woman who's not on birth control, it will start to slowly dwindle down to their late 30s, 40s. It's down to like 10 to 20 to 30. And that doesn't sound like a big decline. But when your testosterone is declining, the symptoms that a lot of women will start to notice is that they have problems with sleep. They're having some night sweats. They have some decreased libido, decreased enjoyment of intercourse. So fewer orgasms, they are more tired, they become a little bit more moody, a little more irritable. If they already suffer from anxiety and depression, then they worsen during this time. They may notice that they can't focus and remember quite as much. And then they start to notice the joint pain. And they start to notice, too, that they are gaining weight in their bellies. And they used to not gain weight in their bellies, but it all goes to the bellies. And that's because with testosterone, it helps to maintain that muscle. And once your muscle starts to decline with the decline in testosterone, that's when you get that fat going straight to the belly. So I call it the forgotten female hormone and the anti-aging hormone, because all of those symptoms that I just talked about correlate with an aging woman. So to decrease that aging process, the replacement of testosterone helps significantly, especially when you're starting to have symptoms that affect your quality of life. Now, a woman like me who's done birth control, you know, pretty much her whole life, except for when I wanted to get pregnant that one time, <laughs> my testosterone has been suppressed for a very long time. And that's what we forget about. We get these women who come in and they're complaining of their libido. But when you take birth control, like even just progesterone, if you're taking like combination birth control with the peel, the patch, or the Nuvarine, that's going to suppress your estrogen because it does suppress that FSH and LH that Dr. Molly was talking about. <clears throat> and so when that happens, you're going to have changes in the vaginal tissue with a little bit more dryness. So women start to notice with birth control that they're going, they feel like they're going through that aging process a little bit sooner just because of the suppression of all of your hormones, including the testosterone. But a woman who's not on birth control, that slowly starts to decrease. And a lot of those symptoms are very gradual. And then you look up one day and you're like, why am I so miserable? You go have your hormones checked and you realize that I'm not in menopause. My FSH is still low. I'm still producing estrogen. But they notice that the testosterone has declined significantly and replacing the testosterone will help to improve that desire again, that enjoyment again. And the other hormone that even though it's not decreasing significantly systemically, 
in that vaginal tissue, estrogen starts to decline, especially with birth control. It suppresses it in the vaginal tissue. And that's when women can start to notice that vaginal dryness, which can cause the discomfort during intercourse, which can also decrease the desire because when your estrogen levels are lower, the vaginal tissue starts to thin and you notice the dryness. You can start noticing changes in your your urination, like you're going more frequently, you may leak a little urine when you're coughing and sneezing. And all of those are signs that you definitely should be treating that vaginal tissue. And we should not wait to treat that vaginal tissue in menopause. I recommend my ladies do it before menopause. I either do it with a uh, low dose estrogen that just works directly on that vaginal tissue. And I recommend that twice a week. When you first start noticing any signs of dryness or changes in your urination. And then we have another product um, that I really like. It has hyaluronic acid. And so my women who want to avoid hormones for whatever reason, or they don't want to start the estrogen at that point, they can use the hyaluronic acid twice a week. And those, those two products are going to significantly decrease the aging process of the vaginal tissue. So I remind women that just like we have to focus on our skin and we use all these new products to try to maintain the collagen in our skin, we must do the same thing for our vaginal tissue so that we can enjoy intimacy forever. And with the changes in the hormones and the thinning of the tissue, it can decrease the sensation of that vaginal tissue and that G-spot, which could definitely affect the enjoyment of intimacy. So treating that tissue early, monitoring those hormones, replacing testosterone or using supplements that help to replace the testosterone and improve it. Ladies who work out a little bit more are going to maintain that testosterone a little bit longer, maintain that muscle. So just the normal aging process is going to decrease the testosterone, which to me is the true female sexual hormone. And by replacing it, I can make sure that my ladies continue to enjoy intimacy forever because it's so important, not only for your relationships and your quality of life, but also your total wellness. Women who continue to participate in intimacy a couple times a week decrease their risk of heart disease. And they usually live about five years longer than women who completely stop intimacy, which was not God's intent. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yo, know, it is not God's intent. And I love that. So, you know, I hope our, our listening audience is just taking all this in, how this it's a health issue. It's a longevity issue. So you're talking about cardiovascular disease. You're talking about exercise and exercise uh, tolerance. And you're talking about what well, that's huge. Five years difference in for those who just you know stop intimacy. Where's my husband? You know, (laughs) yes, yes. So you know, real, and I I love it. I love it. I love it. I think lifelong intimacy, and there's intimacy, and there's sexuality, but some people seem to also just stop. They cut off the intimacy as well. So there's no hand-holding. There's no, you know, kissing. There's no, you know, the warm hugs. Thank God you can hug a partner if you're living under the same roof because COVID-19 has has come and impacted all of this, hasn't it? It has. It really has. So, you know, this, this is huge. So, and I invite... You know, so to our listeners, don't be shy. Go ahead and drop your questions about intimacy, about desire in the chat. You can make it completely anonymous. A friend of mine told me now, wink, wink, you know, you might be talking about yourself, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. And, <laughs> you know, so Patricia is saying, so happy the hot flashes and night sweats are over. My glasses would fog up and I'd have to change my PJs. Yes, yes, yes. And Rebecca is saying, excellent information, excellent information. I just think, again, and the other uh, issue I'd like to address is what about sexuality and intimacy and even one of you can answer this for people who don't have a partner, who don't have a partner. I think intimacy remains important. And I think that um, you can have intimacy with a partner or without a partner. So God gave us these wonderful gifts. He gave us the clitoris, which can be stimulated externally. He gave us all of these different spots inside our vaginal canals that can can create huge and great sensation. Um, I have studied it over and over because I'm in the South. So, you know, we're in the 
Bible Belt. I definitely put that with quotation marks with all the stuff that goes on around here. But because of that, um, I feel like women were taught to suppress their sexuality because it's so much easier to oppress a gender if you suppress their sexuality. And God did not make man more sexual than he made women. But by culture and by environment and the way you're raised, we're taught that. And we're taught that at a very early age. And I've even had some of my patients to come to me and say that their doctors explain to them that aging is a normal process and that you do lose the desire, but that's okay. Just lay there. They actually tell their patients that, but that's not what I believe. I believe with hormonal balance and I believe with some mindset and some meditation, I believe in your relationship, making sure you're communicating um, and making sure that you make that a priority because it's so necessary for you personally, as well as in your relationship. And if you're not in a relationship, you get endorphins from orgasms and sexual activity that you don't get from anywhere else. So people who are having regular orgasms are going to have the good endorphins that help with mood, they help with energy, they help with focus, and you feel so much better. So my philosophy is if we had if we allowed the world to have more orgasms, it would be a nicer, healthier, and happier. I so, absolutely, absolutely. With a partner and without a partner, and it's all kinds of intimacy. It doesn't have to just be physical touch. It could be recreational intimacy. It could be spiritual intimacy, and all and and all of those other intimacies are going to play into that physical intimacy. For a lot of women, they need that emotional intimacy and that emotional connection when they're with another partner. But if you don't have a partner, you can still enjoy the gift from God because he made our bodies that way. And I just don't think he would tempt us and we're not supposed to be able to please ourselves. Men were never taught that it was wrong for them to touch themselves. Women were taught at an early age, you just kind of knew it was a no-no depending on what kind of household you were raised in. But um, there's nothing in the Bible. I've researched it. I've asked several ministers, follow my Southern bells who are concerned about it. And I have had patients to come and they feel so bad about the desire to please themselves. And I remind them that God just wouldn't tempt us that way. He gave us this body set up just like this. And it is okay to enjoy your own body and pleasure yourself. And that is the safer way, especially if you don't have a partner. Oh, my goodness. Molly. And the cycle of uh, uh, the menstrual cycle makes it so you want to have sex and you are a sexual being and you should be having sex. And um, if you want to have sex, go ahead. I tell my teenagers, I say, well, it's normal for you to want to have sex. You just have to protect yourself. You know, don't wait for the guy to bring a condom. You're going to be, you know, you're going to put the condom on because he's not going to do it. You know, if you want to have sex, go ahead. But you have to be responsible about it um, because of the social impacts. But um, but you are a sexual being and go right ahead. There's no reason why you're any less sexual than any guys are. So. Well, first the comment, then I want to share a little story. Dr. Mia Cowan is so accurate about oppression through sexuality societally. As a therapist, I have heard so many women not have much accurate information about sexuality and intimacy. So, so true. So it's a funny story. My parents were very, very, very conservative. My father told me I couldn't date till I was 35. All the <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I am my papa's only daughter. He has a son and a daughter, but I'm told I can't date till I'm third. I don't remember any such conversation toward my brother. But mm-hmm. it, when I was 16, my mom, I'll never forget, my mom was in the kitchen and we, my dad and I were seated at the dining room table and my father leans uh, over to me and he says, you know what? I think it's time for you to have some birth control. Let's talk about birth control. He says, you're a teenage young woman. You're beautiful. And I understand that you may feel like you need sex as much as you need to take your next breath. Whereupon my mother dropped the pot that she was, (laughs) you know, it's like, dog, don't say that. What what are you doing? But it was, you know, so on the one hand, it was this man that said, well, you know, we're not going to worry about it because I'm not going to let you at the house till you're 35. But also the very real recognition, it was like the first time my father looked at me and saw a woman. Hmm. And it was such a, a, a special moment and a, a tender moment. And it was interesting at the time, 
I really wasn't interested. I had noticed the awakening of desire in myself. I would say from about two years prior to that, more like 14. Um, but I was, I was, I was in a dance company. I was on a rifle team. I was on a, a an equestrian. I was really busy. I was on all the, you know, so involved. Uh, but and but I appreciated my father for saying that, and for and it was such so beautiful to have my father see me as a woman. And when I think back of it, that that's what that moment was when the two of us were, you know, sitting at the uh, dining table. You know, and I, you know, I, w- I went on to, you know, you know, all of those awakenings. That how that was not my moment. My mother was, you know, very grateful for that. Um, but uh, you know, it's a special opportunity in a young woman's life, and we, we, you know, it's like parents out there, moms out there, dads out there watching. Your kids are sexual beings. Your kids are sexual beings. I remember with my own um, son when he was very young and he had a little buddy sitting and they were sitting in the um, on the back seat of the car and I could overhear him talking. And, you know, so Jeff says to Keita, do you know what sex is? And I'm like, oh, you know, and they're like, you know, eight years old. And I know, you know, I know my son had, you know, done a little masturbation as little boys do, right? Girls, both little boys and little girls. Little boys, like sometimes a little bit more obvious. What's, (laughs) What's going on? But, and I was like, okay, let me just, let me just, just drive the car. And so I said to him, and I I was just listening, and then then I said, well, let me not panic about this. And I was like, yes, Keita, do you know what sex is? So Keita, that's my son. And he said, yes, mommy, I know exactly what sex is. I said, would you mind telling mommy what sex is? He says, yes, it's when a man and a woman... Um, they take off their shirts and then they go like this. And he, he moves his shoulders up and down. And I said, okay, yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> you know, so again, realizing that, you know, here's these two little boys had gotten curious, you know, seeing different things on um, television and they were seven or eight. And I said, well, I'm going to let it rest at that, you know, at, at this point, you know, so again, I was just me, me, checking in to see what their understanding was at the time. But I would like uh, both of you to talk a little bit more about this issue of suppression of sexuality. Um, Molly, perhaps some of the ways you've seen it in your work as a a health educator. Well, um, um, I had been talking to you earlier. As a sexual assault nurse examiner, I deal with a lot of uh, survivors of sexual assault. And I always try to make sure I speak to my patients and ask them um, if they've ever had anybody force them to have sex or anything, especially if I start to examine them and they're like, really uh, don't want to be touched at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sort of freaking out if I'm doing a pelvic exam. I try to say that before I get to there, um, make sure I do that. Um, but a lot of times people don't want to admit it. Then you're in an exam, you're like, wow, you're really acting um, very scared, and this is very traumatizing to you, you know, what's going on. Um, so, you know, they were, uh, they were violated. They, um, they had something done to them that they didn't trust. So then all of a sudden, as we mature and we get these loud cycles, I say some people have really loud cycles of uh, the sexual cycle that I explained um, that hits you upside the head. How could you miss it? And then other women just don't have it at all. And we all have such varying soups of, uh, of uh, hormonal mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, um, so it's very confusing, especially if you're a survivor of sexual assault. Here you were violated and now you're feeling sexual. And what do you do with that? And, and is that okay? Is it because you were initiated into sex earlier than you had planned that or without your permission. So now that's making you rampant, run rampant. Many survivors end up being somewhat promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Risk takers, we see it more as a problem of uh, not liking themselves enough to take care of themselves. And so they're taking a lot of risk and also trying to 
um, perhaps uh, gain attention and gain love and approval because um, they held this heart big secret and they wanted approval. It's, it's all very confusing. So um, I think that's one of the things that I try to <clears throat> impart on my patients also, um, whether or not you're, you know, birth control is going to create these different changes. So this is how the cycle goes. Birth control works to inhibit some of that. Um, so some people with their birth control don't like it because it just like puts a kibosh on any kind of libido they have. So then we can try to tweak that and give them different kinds. Depends on what your birth control is for. Um, if you need to, if you have terrible periods or endometriosis and you need to suppress the bleeding, we're going to give you progesterones and a lot, a lot of them will put the kibosh on any libido, especially the injection. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a kind of a no-brainer birth control. All you have to do is get yourself in every three months to get a shot. But it takes a while to recover from that. And there's a lot of weight gain and stuff, which I really don't like. Uh, the IUDs are a little bit better um, for that. Um, and they have a different progesterone, um, a cousin. And it's not as bad in the libido department. Um, if you're a really busy person, that might be helpful because you can't uh, be worrying about you know, oh, when am I going to have sex? Because <laughs> you're too busy to have sex or to create a relationship. So that, you know, dampening of that sexual desire may be okay. So um, also I talk about um, sex toys. If you want to, if you mm -hmm. don't have a partner, you can have sex toys. And um, for my lesbian patients, they're using sex toys um, in part of their sexual play. And they have to make sure that they use uh if they're sharing sex either have their own individuals toys or if they're sharing a toy they need to use a condom on it to protect themselves from infection uh, beautiful thank you my grandmother used to say so at family family you know when we're celebrating someone getting getting married and we're having you know like the wedding shower as well as the baby shower a gift that my grandmother used to give would be a little dildo in a velvet pouch. You know, it's like all oh, the family matriarch. But she, and she, she would say, if you don't know how to pleasure yourself, how can you expect anybody else to know how to pleasure you? And this is from a Southern Baptist woman who also understood that this sex and the sexuality was a gift from God. Yes. And that I was raised with that as the thought, as the mentality that this, this couldn't be more Christian. Yeah. Holy, this couldn't be more spiritual. And people would, you know, crack up when she would say that or present this when she said, and always, you know, keep it clean and keep it beautifully packaged. And that was the little, you know, the dildo in the little velvet pouch. And that would be her gift to young women in our family as they were getting married. That, was, that, that trumps my Kama Sutra. I would give, I gave my, <laughs> my niece the Kama Sutra when uh, she got married. One, yes. of, one of the other things that we do, Carol, in our faith community is that we have a sexuality class that we teach, that we run a year long course for our middle school kids. And that that was developed in the 70s, that course, um, and it's been running ever since. And uh, it teaches our, um, in our Sunday school, the middle school kids get a Sunday school of sexuality. So it really talks about sexual identity, um, um, our sexual beings and our sexual beings are spiritual beings are a part of, a big part of everybody's spirituality is their sexuality. So we thought we should teach them the right information from the get-go. And now um, they developed the program so it has age appropriate uh, sexuality education for little kids and middle you know uh, older elementary school kids than this middle school age, a high school program and where they're finally coming out with a curriculum for adults because many yeah. adults did not get any kind of sexual, so we don't understand stuff. But, um, you know, under gender identity, and uh, uh, and then we go over the plumbing and birth control and how sex works and stuff at, kind of at the end. And that, But that's not, we try to em emphasize to the parents that it's really, that's not what it's about. It's about uh, knowing your own sexuality and being comfortable in your own skin. 
So. Wonderful. We do have two questions that I'd like to turn over to you uh, ladies. So from Patricia, are there supplements or foods that can help with vaginal health or desire? Ones that increase our hormones. Dr. Mia? There are a couple supplements and it's a really long word, but if you go um, to me, bellawellness.com, it's, it's called tea support on my account, but it's actually a plant that was uh, made in, uh, I think it's Malaysia, and it helps to naturally increase the testosterone levels for women. So for my younger women or women who are on birth control and they don't have a lot of symptoms of low testosterone, it's mostly a sexual thing. And there's another um, plant called Damiana, and that's a natural way to kind of increase the desire for intercourse. Uh, another way is making sure that you're, you know, communicating, focusing on that relationship, the mindset, and then learning about your body, you know, reading books like The Gift of Sex is one of my favorite books. It brings it from a, a kind of a spiritual perspective and what it's meant for and how you can enhance your intimacy in your relationship with communication and figuring out what the other person likes. And then understanding that, you know, physical intimacy is not always penetration. Sometimes it can be touch, it can be massage. And as we age and mature, the way that we experience physical intimacy can change. And that's when, you know, husbands change, wives change, partners change, everybody ages. So there's always been this big focus on male erectile dissatisfaction, but there's not been a lot of focus on female changes in the body. So thank God for all these wonderful women in medicine who actually care about that now. And so the focus has shifted to women and their sexuality. And the good news is there are all so many things that we can do to improve sexuality. There's vaginal rejuvenation and vaginal restoration. Now we even have an O shot where you take the platelet rich plasma that can be re-injected near the G spot around the clitoris to increase the blood flow to the area, to enhance stimulation and sensation. Um, there are medical devices that you can have at home that use a little bit of energy to kind of help stimulate that G spot to improve the desire, to improve lubrication, to decrease the chance of um, incontinence. So we have making huge strides, we've made huge strides for women and improving their sexuality and intimacy forever. And then when you talked about trauma, a lot of women, too, um, who were who may have been promiscuous, a lot of times that's because they can get take control of their bodies. If somebody has made them do something, they feel like, you know, I'm going to take control of my body. and I'm going to decide who and when and where. And now that I have that control, so that kind of plays into it. And that's why it's so important with that history of sexual trauma to go to therapy, to address it and not try to suppress it because at some point it will come up and come out and it can negatively affect your intimacy as well as just your quality of life and your mental status. So um, all of those things are in the works. You know, we are now focused a little bit more on the prevention of aging intimacy so that people can maintain that enjoyment and that gift. So I'm just excited that women are in medicine now. It's a huge focus and we have so many things that we can do to maintain intimacy for life and total wellness. Uh, yes. And now there's another question from Marianne. What resources are available for teens whose parents aren't forthcoming with sexual information? So, you know, outside of the world of, you know, Unitarian universe, Universal communities where there is this wonderful curriculum. Do either one of you have some resources um, for teens whose parents aren't forthcoming with sexual information? I mean, I think the book, The Gift of Sex, is good for anyone. And I think that there's a lot of literature out there. And I think that one thing we have to realize is that teens have more access to information than we ever will and ever did. So more than likely, the teens can teach us a lot of information because there's so much access for information for everybody. So that is why it is necessary to start having these conversations earlier so that they have a better understanding and they're getting the right information. Um, so I know my, Dr. Molly probably has a few more um, references for younger girls in their bodies. Well, we have um, one of the, the uh, books we use is Our Whole Bodies, Our Whole Selves um, in uh, uh, the sexuality course. There's also um, um, a few websites. Um, one is, um, well, Planned Parenthood actually has a lot of great stuff always. Um, and then there is um, Bedsider, which is actually about birth control, but it also sort of talks about sexuality and 
sexual health and, and staying safe uh, using uh, condoms and, and all and how to approach that um, is a very good website also that I use a lot. So, all right. So, you know, what I, what I really want to do is I want to drop your information into the, the chat. So, Dr. Mia, you mentioned your website, right? So, let's see. And what I want to do is I want to make sure that people know how to reach you, how to reach both of you, because there's going to be questions afterwards. So, could you give us your website again? It's me, Bella Wellness. Dot com. Is it spell that? Capital M I B E L L A Wellness. Capital M I. I don't know why. L L A. I have a sixth grader. Yeah, um, me Bella M I B E L L A Wellness dot com. And then um, Mia Cowan MD is a website, and then me Bella Health and Wellness on the Facebook. All right. So there's here's the first one. And then uh, Mia Cowan, is that no space in between the me and the Cowan? Yes, ma'am. MiaCowanMD.com. .com. So we're going to create that one. And what was your Facebook? Just me, Bella Health and Wellness. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. That'll be on Facebook. So let's see through the magic of, of adding these then. Oh, there's there's the first one. We got that right. Yeah. Just so important. I really like, you know, our audience to be able to get in touch with our guests. Go on over and visit websites or if there's an email contact, you want to, you know, go ahead and, and email and reach out. You know, we have, you know, national experts coming on this show. Um, whoops. And then let's say, here we go. I want to show this one. All right. Still doing that one. There we go. There's the other one. There's the other one. And then, of course, it's Mia Bella Wellness, Health and Wellness is on Facebook. So you want to look up people on Facebook. You want to go to their websites, chock full of information. So Molly, is there a place or email or anything that you would like to share with our audience? Well, I'm in the retired state, but um, people can email me at uh, my middle name. Middle initial is B for Virginia. So mm -hmm. my email is a little cryptic. It's mollvwalk, M-O-L-L-V-W-A-L-K at AOL.com. Wonderful. I was also just reading in the comments, um, Rebecca, the, so this course that I taught, it used to be called About Your Sexuality. Um, and then, um, then we changed it. There was actually a thing on 60 Minutes about it ages ago and then we changed it and it's now called our whole lives or owl is our acronym and um you can go to um you can google our whole lives or you can go to the uua unitarian universalist association dot org uua.org and put in owl o w l to find out more about the curriculum it is a curriculum you're trained you would have to buy it um, and you're trained in it it was developed by the Unitarian Universalists and the United Church of Christ, um, but many different faith communities use it. Um, we do talk about um, LBGTQ um, folks and about identity um, and fluid. Um, in the last several years that I've taught this, we've always had a one of the kids in the group has been uh, binary or fluid or transgender. So um, we talk about that quite a lot. Um, and, and, and uplifting our thing. And it's mall with two L's, M-O-L-L. -L. I'm sorry, let me go back and correct that. So, so I'll do another one. So it's M-O-L-L-V-W-A-L-K. W-A-L-K at. A-O-L. A-O-L. I saw no reason to change. 
All right, so here we go. But I saw, I see Rebecca, Rebecca's uh, of the era when it was called AYS, and I taught it when it was AYS. Um, All right, there we go with the two L's. And then last but not least, I am offering discovery calls this afternoon. So I'm going to ask my beloved to go ahead and drop that in the chat. If you want to talk to me this afternoon, today's the day to do it. Um, I might have one little spot right after this, after the show this morning, and then sometimes this afternoon, you can go all, another way of accessing it is going all over to my website, www.drcarolpenn.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-P-E-N-N.com. These are complimentary, no charge to you. Wow. And, um, That's yeah. huge. Take advantage of that. That's huge. Yes, yes. And so there's, you know, my information right there. Um, my beloved will drop that in the chat for anyone who wants to do that. And I say, yeah, take advantage of it. You know, this is the day you've got questions. You want to continue this conversation. You want to see what else I'm up to. So go on over, go on over, grab your spot, grab it right now, grab it right now. So I'm going to go back over here because we've got some more comments coming in and I want to be sure that we're respectful of this incredible, you, you see how many people get up early? early in the morning and they're awake because <laughs> they're asking these questions and making these comments. All right. Oh, an extra eye in wellness. All right. So, um, an extra L. Yeah. So if you see a, a typo or misspelling, we know that there's not an extra L there. Just take that right on out. So my beloved has dropped, um, how to go on over to grab your, uh, discovery call. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, right, no. So, um, Mary, um, Patricia had asked about uh, why do we gain weight? I think um, Dr. Mia was talking about it's because uh, we have a decrease in testosterone and testosterone and it drops even more. And that testosterone helps you to keep body uh, muscle mass. And so instead of creating muscle, anything we eat, it goes straight to fat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we have our little fat belly. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing I'll share before we get on over here. So this show also becomes magically becomes a podcast. So if you've missed previous episodes, you want to catch this again later. The um, epi new episodes are posted weekly. And this is an important one to share with the wider community. You can also see in the chat, you can go over to anchor.fm like and subscribe. I'm now on all the podcast channels. So whichever one you like to listen to, whatever you prefer, and you will be able to share this information easily with your community. This is extremely important, near and dear to my heart. So my beautiful, beautiful super friends, any last words of encouragement or comments that you'd like to share with our wonderful audience. Well, so make sure you have a, a, a provider that you're comfortable with, you can have these discussions with, that take the time to answer your questions, because even though we change as we mature through the different stages of life, there's so many different things that we can do to maintain healthy sexual function throughout the different stages of life. And it's so important for your total wellness. So you want to be able to maintain that, whether with a partner or without a partner. Yes, yes. Right. And that's and that's really key is to be able to have a provider help you. But also just know that if you're feeling stuff, it's probably normal. And uh, just, you know, be good to yourself that your body knows what she's doing. You know, this is this is uh, the most amazing machine that's ever been made. And everything works together. You know, um, the whole system is I don't think we could make it up ourselves. It's just so incredible all the little um, things that happen in order for a pregnancy to happen, for the baby to come out, you know, for all that. Um, so the whole machine is working probably pretty much the way it's supposed to. And each of us have our different uh, strengths and weaknesses in it. So, All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Please be sure to join me during the week at 6.45 a.m. where we do um, guided meditation Monday. Mm -hmm. 
Friday. This week, little vacation coming up. So Monday through Thursday, 6.45 a.m. That's over on my Facebook page at uh, Dr. Carol Penn movement is my medicine. I, I love, I've got this, you know, these are the early, early birds who are catching the worm, ladies. This is my group, hashtag meditation nation. I am going to sign off, but next week, stay tuned. We'll be right back here for another episode of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Stay tuned for some special guests over the next two weeks. I'm calling this the anniversary episodes. My MDM, it's our wedding anniversary next Sunday. So stay tuned, special guests. And for those of you that are looking for a partner in life that are desiring relationship and marriage, please come on back to help us celebrate our wedding anniversary. Second. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good morning, Dr. Dietrich. Good morning, Dr. Erica. Linda, thank you so much for your support and your comments. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you.